Is Paul here, or is oh, he just uh, lurking? He's lurking. he's muted. He's muted. I see. I don't know if he knows he's muted. He's the mu. He's the mu gato. <laughs> Two D, the flat frontier. These are the voyages of the Pancake Enterprise. Its rotoscoped mission to repeat the same animation and music, to transcend the limitations of 70s animation, to go boldly where no cartoon has gone before. Toon Trek, based upon Star Trek, created by Gene Roddenberry, starring. Paul Spataro. Also starring Dave Pascarella. With Bill Robinson. And Andrew Leyland as Andy. Production assistants J. David Wheater. Hey everybody and welcome to Toon Trek. The ongoing voyages of the Listen to the Prophets crew. I'm David Pascarella, the useless Commodore, who will complain a lot and endanger the mission. I'm joined by our commanding officer, Captain Sp- Paul Spataro. Hi. Our chief medical officer, Dr. Bill Robinson. Uh, I got to get some tasty ambergris. And our first and science officer, Sir Andrew Leyland. Sabotage. <laughs> and as always, a shout out to our chief engineer, J. David Weeder. So is there anything new going on in the Star Trek universe? Yeah, only that Paramount have pulled Star Trek Discovery from all European streaming sites. So if you want to watch it, you have to wait until January 2022. It is probably in the rearview mirror by the time this actually comes out. And subscribe to Paramount Plus, which I will not be doing. Neither will the dog. Neither will the dog. <laughs> well, I, when when they had made Paramount Plus free for a month or whatever it was, I had subscribed to it for the free free uh, period, and then for whatever reason, when I stopped paying for it, they let me have it for like an additional two months. So that was kind of cool. So, but it, it is not a, or at least as of whatever it was, a year and a half ago, it was not a particularly compelling pay streaming site as far as I was concerned. Paul, a- Andy's dog doesn't like you. I don't, I don't like, like you, you either. either. <laughs> Crossing the strings. I think he's just getting ready for his dinner. Dinner? What is this? What, what, is, is, do you give live creatures? Or? <laughs> the dog works feeding him whoever's yet. around, yeah. He 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 dines on the on the uh, the tiny sir snakes. Mm, yummy. Perhaps you can give him some cock. Uh, yeah. So that's that's all I've got. I don't know if you have any news. Uh, oh, production on season three of Star Trek Picard started. Season three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've gone straight into production of season three, which is understandable when you think that the lead actor is an octogenarian. <laughs> quick, quick. Yeah. Well, you, you <laughs> no, would no, think, no, no. I mean, it, it makes sense he's... from a logistic point of view that you want to get it filmed 
you know, while he's still yeah. capable. On the other hand, as an octogenarian, you would think he'd say, hey, I need a little bit more time off in between seasons. I'm sure to, he'd to recharge the battery. But he's oh, a- come on. William Shatton is going into space. Filming a little bit isn't a, shouldn't be a problem. I, I don't know hmm. if, I, if anybody told you this, but he's no William Shatner. <laughs> William Shatner's twice the man. Well, never mind. Wow. <laughs> William, William Shatner <laughs> made this in a cave out of scraps. Oh, oh no, that wasn't William Shatner. My mistake. So knives and bearskins he built the ship with. He is Kirok. He, he built the penis-shaped rocket and sent himself into space. Oh, wait, that was Dr. Evil. Uh, Jeff Bezos. Uh, Dr. Evil. So the Look at him, man. Shot. Come on. Did you tell me he's not Dr. Evil? Oh, yeah. How about that amber grease? <clears throat> How about that amber grease? Save the whale. Oh, God. I guess we're going to get into this, huh? Well, before we all do right. that, I guess I will oh, hit good. you up with the... Cause, all right, so when I was trying to watch it last night, I think one of the reasons I kept f- falling asleep is because, uh, well, one, I was tired. Two, I was working on a parody song as soon as I saw the Aqua Shuttle because then I was going, sitting on the flight deck, dun, 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 eyeing the crew with bad intent. Dun, 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 dun. Hey, Aqua Shuttle. No? That, that one's not going to make the... Uh, Start uh, it's not going to make the greatest hits records. I don't think that'll so. Be the, that'll be in the thirty year down the road, you know. Yeah. Cut. That'll be that'll be, that'll be a deep cut. We dust off yeah. as yeah. a new track when we're trying to get the the retirement tour underway, <laughs> and it's the one that everyone can say they really should have left it as a B side. <laughs> I, I recently heard they have you know on, on uh, Sirius XM they have the Billy Joel channel every once in a while. And he was talking about, uh, there's a, I think it's like a four album set or a four disc set called My Lives. And, and he was talking about, he says, you know, he's pretty much everything I made that was worthwhile was on albums. Anything that I didn't put on albums was crap. So I call that my crap. (laughs) (laughs) But he said, but the record company had the, you know, had the contract and they had the right to, to put it out there. So it wasn't worth fighting, but I don't know why anybody bought that. Did he give the money back? I'm sure he did not. I'm sure he did not. <laughs> Don't be ridiculous. Well, would you, uh, seriously, would you give the money back? You, you, I, 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 I think it's enough that he badmouthed it, actually. Yeah. If I had Billy Joel's money. I just, you know, you know that, that, that expression, which, you know, I wish I had his money. I remember one time as a kid, somebody was talking about something about God. And somebody said, I wish I had his money. I was like, you yeah, know, I don't know if God has money. <laughs> God doesn't have a bank account, does he? Does How would he God prove he was with God money? To get a bank account. Well, if he does, he's just like the U.S. government. He can just raise his spending limit all the time. So, if he yeah. had money, he'd buy a Starship, probably. That's right. Yeah, he'd buy right, because you know, what does he need with it? Eh, just spending money. If I had superpowers. I'd have the Purple Man's powers, and I wouldn't even bother with money. Hmm. Hmm. I, I'm just going to leave that on the table <clears throat> and walk away from it quietly. You're going to disappear into the trees like Homer Simpson. <laughs> exactly. 
except his hair would stick out the top. <laughs> Are we putting off talking about the ambiguous elements? And people go, so. why do you have Joseph Stalin's hair sticking out of your head? Hedge. I'm going to be the defender of the ambiguous elements. I'm going to be like Dave was last week when he loved it and we didn't like it. Move along, Excellent. folks. All right. Well, all right, Dave, hit it. All right, this week is The Ambergris Element, Season 1, Episode 13. Directed by Hal Sutherland, written by Margaret Arman. The original air date was December 1st, 1973. While exploring the planet Argo, Argo F yourself, which was transformed into a water planet by seismic disturbances, Kirk and Spock are lost from their survey party when their aqua shuttle is attacked by a giant sea creature. After a lengthy search, they are found, but have been transformed into water breathers. McCoy's analysis indicates that this could not have been accomplished by any natural process, which leads to the conclusion that intelligent life must be on Argo. But under the sea, under the sea. sea. Under the, we're so predictable. In order to return Kirk to normal and Spock, Kirk and Spock need to seek out those responsible for their transforma- transformation and swim deep into the sea to search for answers. They encounter a group of Aquans who express fear and disgust before swimming away. Ew. Because if you appear ugly... You must be a threat. Well, yeah. <clears throat> Kirk and Spock follow them and are captured at the underwater city. A tribunal of apes, I mean Aquans, accuses them of being spies from the surface. One council member, Ryla, stands up for them, asking that they be given a chance to explain themselves. Unfortunately, the meeting is interrupted when a report that air breathers have invaded the sea foliage arrives. These invaders are Scott and the other crew members trying to warn Kirk and Spock of an impending sea quake. Upon hearing of the invasion, the leader of the council, Dr. Zay, I mean the leader of the council, (laughs) orders Kirk and Spock to be brought to the surface and left there to suffocate. Ryla saves their lives by leading... Scott to them. She then explains that Aquan hi- the Aquan history that led to their feet of air breathers, revealing that reverse mutation is possible, but it is forbidden. Despite forbidden. The ban, Planet forbidden. Despite the ban, Ryla agrees to help them if they will, in turn, help her find a buried ancient city in ruins whose archives may contain a way to reverse the mutation. The city is, however, located in the forbidden zone of the planet. City is forbidden! They discover that the substance in their blood... They discover a substance in their bloodstreams is similar to ambergris of earth whales. The reverse mutation is induced by an infusion of antitoxin made from the venom of a deadly giant surf snake. The Aquans help them obtain the necessary medicine, but Kirk nearly dies from the vaccine and refuses to get his booster shot. 
In orbit, the USS Enterprise uses phases to blast uninhabited sections of the planet. Though it would have been more fun to blast inhabited sections, but it is what it is. In an attempt to move the quake's epicenter away from the Auckland city, and also causes an inadvertent side effect. A new landmass emerges from beneath the ocean's surface. Grateful for saving their lives, the young Aquans make their ancient records available to the Federation and inexplicably decide to use the newfound medicine to become air breathers themselves because and resume life above ground. Kirk implores them not to lose contact with their underwater ancestors. The elders declare they will pass ordinances to forbid that, and this time they will not ignore them. Great, and so now we're going to pass ordinances to go the exact opposite stance that we had before, and then when a new administration gets in, we'll just flip it back. Oh, wait, sorry, I'm thinking about America. <laughs> Silly me. Because I've got, a, I've got a pen and a phone, too. But I do. But but uh, my mind is blown now because I've come up with a theory from this this show. The fish guy from Star Trek Three is from this planet. Okay. I'll oh, that's that. good. <laughs> Could be. be because you're forbidden. I was like, oh, as soon as they said it, I was like, oh my god, he's from here. So wow, I'm gonna just throw out there that. <clears throat> As soon as I finish this, I'm not going to say I had any any illusions about it about quality. <clears throat> but as soon as I finished it, I thought this fits the definition for me of guilty pleasure. This is an episode that I could sit here and say I could see the flaws from a mile away, but I just kind of enjoyed watching it. Uh, so, you know, I know it's not necessarily a good episode, but I enjoyed it. So therefore. It was worthwhile for me. Um, it felt to me like they came up with a, you know, put in air quotes, a science fiction premise, uh, but treated it like it was actually a Saturday morning cartoon to a large extent, unlike what some of the other ones did. I think one of the problems with some of these episodes is that they've tended to be a little bit like, oh, we're going to act like we're so much more sophisticated than the forum we have, but we only have 22 minutes to do it, and, you know, it's going to just come off as, as a kind of a mess. I thought this one, they, they kind of accepted what they were, they put together an episode that felt like a Saturday morning cartoon, but it felt kind of entertaining to me. Uh, I thought this one, unlike most of my criticism, was probably the best job that James Doohan has done with doing a million million voices. I thought they were better than what he normally does. I thought they were a little bit more distinguishable from each other instead of sounding like it was one voice with you know just the slightest change to it. Uh, overall, I, I just kind of had fun watching this one. I thought this was all right. Yeah, he really did a great job with uh, Lemus and uh, the Aquan. Oh, wait, no, that was... Uh that was a yeah. That was that him. was a different guy. <laughs> that was yeah. That was not him. But that was also you know that was better done by them too because they didn't just jam him in on every part. They said hey you know what let's use somebody else for a couple of these and it'll be a little better. Mm-hmm. I, I thought it was I thought it was fairly entertaining. 
I don't I don't disagree with you. I thought this was on a par with a, a reasonably decent third season episode. And it was written by Margaret Armour, who wrote a number of third season episodes. So that's probably why. It's it's yeah, it's fine. I don't I didn't hate it. I didn't like it. I actually thought some of the animation in this was, was quite cool. Some of the backgrounds were nice. I mean apparently you can rip the science of it apart if you want to, but that's you kind think? of Star Trek, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I'm, I'm not going to rip it a bit or anything. I'll say it was an un, undiscovered gem, but it was fine for what it is. And we got a sabotage. That was all right. I got hung up with the Aqua Shuttle and the whole fact that... And I'm going to sound like Scott Gardner here when I say this. You're in a spacecraft. You flew down from the ship and landed in the water. And you can't get away from something in the water. Now, I, I, I don't know. Maybe when they come and land in the water, they have to change the configuration of the shuttle, and then they can't fly out of the water to get away from the giant snake that's attacking them. But why do you have to have an aqua shuttle? I mean, it's through the litmus configuration. I, 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 I don't know. I was just kind of like, just what, what, fly away. <laughs> get out of its range. Damn it, if I was flying yeah, that octopus. I think I see a way out of this. <laughs> Whatever. It's that old hey. Bill Hicks gag, isn't it? Where there are people barricading the roads and you're in a car. I think I see a, way, I think I see a solution to this problem. Yeah. <laughs> Ensign Redshirt's lucky this was a cartoon, otherwise he wouldn't have been coming yeah. back. I did think that when the, when the crew that went down was Kirk, Spot, McCoy, and Ensign Ricky. <laughs> and I thought Edson Ricky's not coming back alive, and then I remembered that it was the cartoon, so he's probably going to be okay. <laughs> that's that's a good point, actually. Uh, I, you know, I, I thought it it did give us a little bit of, uh, you know, hey, look at the society and how it's got to do all of this shit. Uh, it kind of ignored the prime directive. Uh, directive sure directive schmective when the captain's been turned into uh, an amphibian well no he's not even that because he can't breathe on land he's been turned into a fish, fish I did man. like I did like Kirk's delivery of Shatner's delivery sorry of Kirk's line I can't captain a starship from an aquarium I thought why not genuine. I thought that was really oh. funny yeah, well, why, why didn't they put the why didn't they put the helmets on them like the fish people had at the end I mean that's kind of speciest, you know. Because I mean I did think that too. I was like, well, why can't you, you know? Well, I mean, I mean, I guess, I guess the way you could always, you know, he wouldn't be able to get in those crazy fights and do those flying drop kicks. Oh, I cracked my helmet. Oh, blah 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 blah. Can't. It's it's not as if he could just go out into space and and breathe anyway. Sure, he can with those one of the, those belts on. Can't can't they configure one of those life support belts to just you know. What the other way? Yeah, like ha- surrounded with water inside it. Yeah, because they cure them quite quickly. But that's always a problem with episodes like this, isn't it? It was the same with the deadly ears as well. Yeah, We've man, un- unaged him. You ever think I... how screwed up Kirk's body must be? Yeah, all the <laughs> he's, been, he's been turned into an aquamaniac. He's been turned into an old dude. What else has happened to him? Uh, he got, don't do, he got, got to defend him. I've been turned into an old dude, too. <laughs> yeah, but I was over a period of, like, 50 years. So <laughs> he was bit by the Mugatu. 
yeah, yeah. He's he's traveled through time numerous times. Uh, he he almost died trying to save some humpback whales. <laughs> I mean, I mean, yeah, he, I mean, the gills would have come in useful then, wouldn't it? <laughs> oh, yeah. Wait, I've got I've got a secondary mutation I wasn't aware of. I could still breathe underwater. <laughs> and off he goes. Man. Make sure you save the plans, Scotty, for this fish tank. We we may need it sometime in the yeah. future. <laughs> it may come in useful. <laughs> yeah. Okay, did you not get a Planet of the Apes vibe from these people? The sacred yeah. scrolls. A little bit, a little bit. Yeah. Forbidden information sitting in the council chamber. Yeah. yeah. Well, my my favorite bit of it was the inadvertently funny line: "I see some rocks." said Ensign, Ensign Ricky, and I'm sat there going, this entire planet is nothing but water and rocks, dude. You're going to have to narrow it down a bit for me. <laughs> so is McCoy the acting captain? No, because no. Scotty's there, isn't he? Yeah. But he was down on the planet. Um, I mean, in physical command of the ship itself. Uh, no. no then it falls no. to Sulu, doesn't it? Yeah. It's not... It's not it wouldn't be in the command structure. Although there was a there was one of the novels called Doctor's Orders that McCoy got put in charge, but I don't remember why. It was incredibly contrived, and Diane Duane admits that it was incredibly contrived, but oh, she just wants Dr. McCoy in charge. What happened was, Kirk, if memory serves right, Kirk's on the ship, Spock is in charge, and for some contrived reason... He puts McCoy in. No, Kirk puts McCoy in charge, actually as an order. When mm. McCoy is saying something along the lines of, "Oh, being captain's a piece of piss. Anyone could do it," and he uh, places McCoy yeah. in charge. Something happens to Kirk that takes him out of the equation. But his last order was that McCoy is in command of the ship, and that order cannot be overruled. And I'm like, okay. I can sit on that. <laughs> yeah, and, well, Diane Duane has in her credit. But she, that was the story she wanted to tell, so she fudged around with it a little bit. Mm. But it's a good book other than that. I enjoyed Doctor's Orders. I might have read it years ago. I, I don't remember. Wasn't that an old 70s song, Doctor's Orders? I don't know. What, <laughs> 1870s? We were only babies in the 70s. Yeah. I was only a baby in the 70s. I'm so young. Look at me. Okay. So. Okay. Okay, Kirk. You're going to need to milk that snake. <laughs> <laughs> I can handle this. <laughs> I'm sure to get the could. ambergris. Which have we uh, have we defined ambergris for uh, the audience? Uh, I thought we did. Oh, yeah, that might have been pre-show. So, amber grease is a solid, waxy, flammable substance of a dull gray or blackish color produced in the digestive system of a sperm whale. Uh, So, anybody who wants a little, just go out and get it. That'll be whales here. (laughs) So, we have a lot to say on this one, huh? (laughs) I I, I did think that when I'd watched it. I was kind of like, hmm. What's for breakfast? <laughs> Ambergris. <laughs> yeah, Ambergris. Yes. It's, like I said, it's, it's fine, isn't it? It's, you know. 
it's one of those episodes that is neither bad nor good, so we can't turn it a new one because it's not awful. It's actually quite fun in places. The alien race is fun. The animation's quite... Or certainly the backgrounds are quite good. It feels like an episode of Star Trek, so that's always a good plus. The only problem are the problems that we've discussed before. It gets wrapped up a little bit too quickly because they've only got 22 minutes. And apparently you can rip the science to shreds if you really want to. But yeah. <clears throat> I don't want to. Yeah, so I, I, we don't want to, that's fine. I found it moved. You know, some of these, you watch them and it just drags yeah. on while you're watching the clock. The, this moved. I, I didn't look at the clock, so. Yeah, it, it wasn't boring. So the sensors can't differentiate, you know, because the sensors didn't indicate any life forms down there aside from fish. I, I know I'm the one that's picking on the science this time. It's just kind of like, yeah, I, all right, it, it's a cartoon. I'll let it go. Yeah, that's that's the thing is, I, I felt like this one was a little less pretentious because they they just said, you know what, it's Saturday morning for science. Go just go yeah. with that. See, I kind of think it's it's it feels like a third season episode and a decent one. Because by the third season of the live action show, the people in charge weren't paying as much attention to it as they should have been. Mm. So the fact that this was written by somebody who wrote a lot of third season episodes kind of made it fit. The attention to detail in that third season is not as good as the previous two. So, do we have any more comments on this or should we just move on? No. Get your hands off me, you damn dirty fish. <laughs> rate it yeah like I said uh, it's not high art it's entertaining it wasn't boring it moved I didn't have to look at the clock fairly enjoyable I got a few laughs out of it though I don't think I was supposed to I gave it a three Yeah, I think I enjoyed it just a little bit more than I was supposed to, actually. Uh, I just found it entertaining. I, it, it brought a smile to my face very often. Like I said, I thought the production values were a little better than what we've seen in some of the other ones as far as, uh, you know, Andy pointed out the animation and also some of the voice characterizations I thought were better. Bringing in one more male voice uh, who was a, a producer on the show anyway. It wasn't like they had to go out, you know, searching for a star. Uh, but just having an extra male voice instead of having James Doohan do all of them, uh, I thought added to it. Uh, Majel Barrett did all the female voices instead of Nichelle Nichols this time. <coughs> but I thought that you know that was fine. It, I, it was almost uh, it was almost the same no matter which one of them did it to be honest mm -hmm. with you. But either way, I, I thought it was entertaining. So I, I'm going to give it a 3.5 because I liked it. I, I just found it to be an entertaining 22 minutes. Yeah, I'd, I'd give it a solid two and a half. I thought it was it was fine. Yeah, I'll give it. Uh, well, I was going to give it two and a half because right in the middle, but because of my previous my newly discovered connection between the lionfish guy from Star Trek Three and this planet. At least in my own head cannon, I will give it 2.75 smashed and destroyed aqua shuttles. Okay. 
Paul's like 2.75. Always got to beat him. Put an extra number on my chart. <laughs> anyway. I got to pay for this ink, you know. That's what we thought of this one. But what does Blaine think? Forbidden! Incoming transmission. Hi, guys. This is another episode that nails the Star Trek morals, saving random lives, making peace with new civilizations, and exploring the universe. The science has issues, though. There are reasons that aquatic life developed gills and not water-compatible lungs. Breathing liquid with lungs is really, really hard. Liquids aren't nearly as compressible as gases, so simply changing the volume of the cavity in our bodies wouldn't get the job done particularly since you'd need about 100 liters of water to contain the amount of oxygen you'll find in one liter of air. Sorry, but Kirk and Spock just don't survive through this episode. Not even long enough for McCoy to knock them unconscious underwater while converting them to air breathers. This is becoming a theme. Spot on morals and character work, but highly flawed science. Oh well. Still above average for anything else in the Saturday morning cartoon lineup. I'm looking at you, Turbo Teen. And, uh, yeah, you, you know, guys know I, what Turbo but you know what? is? Uh, da- uh, Blaine actually included a uh, a link to uh, the opening credits in his uh, email. Yeah, that's that's the guy. That's the teenager that turns into like a Trans Am. <laughs> but uh, you know, I, I'm I'm thinking of as you know as comic book fans, I'm thinking there was there have been I, probably multiple times where. Uh, the Fantastic Four, you know, had to go down underwater because of the Submariner. And Reed would say, here's a pill that'll let us breathe underwater for an hour. And it was like, yeah, okay, we'll go with that. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I always I always get a kick out of, you know, hour-long pills. Like, like the pill has a clock. I don't know. Because, <laughs> like, you, they'll do, like, a countdown, 59 minutes and 35 seconds, 59 minutes, 40 seconds. And you're thinking, wow, you know, in, in exactly 20 seconds, he's going to lose his ability to breathe. <clears throat> yeah, I don't think pills work that way, but that's just me. Okay. What happens if you have a fast metabolism? Yeah, exactly. But, uh, but you know, it, it's one of these things, one of, the, one of these things that does not have a basis in science that makes any sense whatsoever. But for the sake of, of a narrative, you say, all right, I'll just go with it. That's really what it comes down to. And I, I you know, I this, this is one where I didn't even need Blaine to tell me that that makes no sense. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of these science things where, where, you know, he tells us why it doesn't make sense. And it's like, oh, okay. But this one, it's like, yeah, no, I, 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 I was there already. But Paul, we... We need our Blaine. We want our Blaine. Absolutely. That was that, a very good pun. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. Quite the punster. That's what I'm here for. All right. So uh, unless anybody has anything else, I guess that's it. And what are we going to do next time? Next time, a little new episode of Star Trek. Toon Trek. Toon Star Trek. <laughs> Next time, on a new episode of Toon Trek, genuine science fiction writer Larry Niven pops by to deliver the slaver weapon. Is that David Niven's brother? Yes, it is David Niven's brother. <laughs> I say, old boy. Oh, wait, no, that's, that. that's oh, not David Niven. David Niven. Sorry, Tom. <laughs>
Trek is based upon Star Trek, created by Gene Roddenberry, and is a Two True Freaks presentation. It's hosted by Andrew Leyland, Paul Spataro, Dave Pascarella, Bill Robinson, and produced and guest hosted on occasion by J. David Wheaton. All music and clips are copyright their respective copyright holders and no infringement is intended. This is a review show and as such protected under fair use. Yeah, let's go with that. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Toon Trek. Terry Thomas is, is you know, I, I have this picture in my mind of us like having a studio where we record this, and Terry Thomas is just kind of lurking all the time, <laughs> ready to just have pop one of out of it. Big life-size cardboard cutouts of Terry Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> if you could find us, I would think in in England those would be like on every street corner. They are not. <laughs> Though they should. Get your Terry Niven. I mean, it's Terry Niven. <laughs> perhaps they are, and you just can't see them because of all the fog. That's that is also true. Yes, I can't see them because of all the fog and all the police boxes. <laughs> and all the ambergris on the ground. And all the ambergris on the ground, yeah. <laughs> it's a very dangerous, dangerous world you live in, Andy. It is, yeah, it's, you know. Terry Thomas is looking on every street corner. Aha, <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh, gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> I say, old boy, give me your money. <laughs> if he came up to me and did that, I would, just for the entertainment value. <laughs>